Before you start this episode, we'd like to warn you that this episode contains a discussion regarding abuse, uh, physical and sexual abuse, as well as eating disorders and other hard life lessons. So please uh, be mindful of the audience that you're listening to with and uh, be a parent and protect the little ears. Hi, I'm Charity. I'm Stacy. I'm Lee. And I'm Amelia. And, and I'm and I'm mom. No, <laughs> we didn't tell her. So. We didn't tell her that. Yeah. I'm going to introduce you. You don't. In, you just let us. It's fine. Just relax. Okay. Let's let's do that again. And y'all need to come up on the mic. Okay. Don't tell me what to do. Well, you need to come up on the mic. So you sound like you're really going to cave. Okay. Here we go. Hi, I'm Charity. I'm Stacy. I'm Lee. And I'm Amelia. And. <laughs> And we have joining us this evening, my mom. Um, that there, there are no words to describe this woman and who she is to me. And she is, um, she's a widow, married to my dad for how many years? 50? 50. 50? 50 years. Um. Like I said, she's a wonderful mother. She is a sister. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a friend. But one thing that I can honestly tell you, she would want you to know that she loves Jesus with all her heart. Mm-hmm. And I want to start out her segment of her telling how she found freedom in Christ through all the things in her life. And she's lived, how, many, how old will you be in July? In July, we'll be 76. 76. Mm-hmm. I, I keep trying to rush it a little bit. Yeah. But mm-hmm. 76. And so there's a lot that's happened in 76 years. Mm-hmm. And so we're excited for her to share that um, with you, the listener. And the hope is that you learn how to have forgiveness, um, how to give forgiveness, how to give grace, and how to give mercy when things just don't go the way you think life should or should have. I'm going to start out with a verse, um, a, a couple of scriptures that fit my mother to a T and will um, explain her story a little bit more. James 1, 2 through 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. And I can honestly say that my mother, at her age now, and reflecting back in her life, needs nothing in my eyes. She's about as perfect as you can get. So it is our honor and privilege to have Juanita Diane Sutton with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, so why did you decide to do this? I asked you. We you, had been kind of twisting my arms. I, I did not. Why do people think I twist their arms? It's you don't say no to charity. <laughs> <laughs> and that's coming from mom. <laughs> and you all know that. Oh, well, we I, do. We said no problem saying no. She's no. They both don't. All of them. 
No, we're going to um, just start like we always do. Um, thank you for coming on and being willing to be so vulnerable because, I mean, we all four have told our story, mm-hmm. um, some of our story, not all of our story. Um, we would be here all night if we told all of our story, but um, it does take, it. it takes a lot of vulnerability. It takes being willing to be um, judged or looked down upon. Um, But ultimately, when we share our testimonies and when we share our witness and how Christ carried us through the hard times in life and the good times, then it inevitably will affect someone else's story Mm -hmm. and someone else's path and someone else's freedom. So let's get started. Where do you want to start? Well... Let's start with childhood. Childhood. Sounds good to me. Let's go. Start with childhood. Um, I was born in a, I think people might know what a dog trot house is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I was born at home and at my mother's uh, family home where she was born in the Ozark Mountains. Uh, She did not have a doctor assist. So she was, she was, you know, her first child and had me scared to death to ever have children because she said <laughs> it will kill you. Um, but anyway, no, I hold was, on, let's park right there. So how did you get your name, Diane? But tell how it's spelled and then how you okay. got that name. Okay. <laughs> I always, people never get my name spelt right. They always want to spell it with an E on the end. I said, no, it's not spelt that way. And they said, well, how do you pronounce that? I said, dying. And they said, well, how did you get my... I said, well, when my mother had me, the old doctor got there just in time to fill out the birth certificate. And mother was laying there just, oh, she was in such bad shape. And he said, what do you want to name this girl? And she said, I'm dying. (laughs) And he said... What'd you say? She said, I am dying. And so he wrote on my birth certificate, D-Y-I-A-N, which was my middle name. And so mother told me all through my, uh, all through my, until I got into high school, she said, your name is short, D-I-A-N. And said, it's a short version, so it's Mm -hmm. D-I-A-N. And so I thought, okay. And so when I got in high school, everybody said, you're stupid. You don't know how to spell your name. You're supposed to have an E on the end of it. So I didn't want to be stupid. I added an E on the end of my name. (laughs) Until I was about 21, and I even had my Social Security number with D-I-A-N-E up until maybe a a few years ago when I started having getting Social Security, I, it was D-I-A-N-E. So when I was 21, I saw my birth certificate, D-Y-I-A-N. I mm. thought, I've been spelling my name <laughs> <laughs> wrong all these years. Okay, so, th- yeah, that's that's a great story. I just wanted – it's spelled very differently. Very differently. Else. Yeah, and that southern draw, I'm dying. So I, yeah. The doctor dying. Died, he, dying. He, yeah, he just country doctor. Yeah. He just spelt it the way it sounded. Mm-hmm. So, um, were you telling us where you grew up? 
I grew up in the Ozark Mountains, uh, all over the mountains of Arkansas, of North Arkansas. Um, dad, my dad was, uh, he was a, a forest ranger, uh, a towerman. Uh, so I grew up with a, a wooden and later steel forest towers in my front yard. And my brother and I, we used to play on those. We would climb when mother wasn't watching. We'd climb out on the wooden wooden towers on the, and they were probably 30 feet. The first flight was 30 mm-hmm. feet off the ground. We would crawl out there in the hot summer and we'd peel would peel the asphalt off mm. of the of the timbers oh, and wow. chew it and we thought oh. we were we thought we were spitting tobacco okay and that and that's important you did not grow up wealthy you, you no. did not i mean no no you, did you ever get christmas no Mm-mm. no no birthday no no, no. maybe oranges from california i remember you telling me that one time. we did uh, and when I was in in high school, I did, we did start getting some packages from my aunt mm-hmm. from California, and she would include some nuts and some uh, oranges or whatever fruit from California mm-hmm. dates. Uh, she would also send us clothes, mm-hmm. and uh, she had beautiful outfits that she would send us, and we all, us girls enjoyed those. Mm-hmm. But anyway, back to my childhood. Um, Dad got a job, as I said, with the forestry service. I, mm-hmm. Whenever I was about, mm, we kind of bounced around for two or three years, and then he got a job with the forest service. And so we moved to whichever mountain it was that the tower was on. Right. With no neighbors at all. So we we grew up with just us kids to right. play with each other. And... Uh, my brother and I, um, I was he's 18 months younger than I. How many siblings do you have? I have four. Uh, they was, my brother and I were born uh, 18 months apart. I was the oldest. Mm-hmm. And then there was, we were by ourselves, you know, mm-hmm. together until for about six years when my middle sister was born. Mm-hmm. And then uh, four years later, mother had another girl. Uh, so my brother and I grew up very close. Um, you know, it's just the two of us. We're very close right. to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you have two sisters? I've got two younger sisters. Mm-hmm. I've lost one of my sisters. Yeah, the youngest. She, mm-hmm. she passed away already. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So that dad's job always put us in the wilderness areas and up on a high mountain. Mother didn't have access, didn't have transportation to to leave the mountain uh dad always went and bought whatever we needed and sometimes he would stay gone if he got paid he would stay gone the weekend and where would he go some bar yeah Mm -hmm. he he would go uh he had a friend that he had meet up with usually he'd make friends and mother found evidence of infidelity but yeah that's that's not my story, right. but that's you know that's part of the dynamics, and they would fight. I can remember. I don't remember a lot, but just the key things that I do remember. 
uh, us pulling dad, you know, in them apart, dad would be, you know, hitting her. Mm-hmm. So we left, uh, moved from town to town. Um, probably within 10 years, we, uh, we covered probably at least, well, every tower. We mm-hmm. only stayed in one place two years mm-hmm. usually. And I don't know why we moved around so much, but we did. So what was one of your one or two, give one or two defining moments of your childhood? Okay. Like that, that was pivotal and you can, you can give more, but those defining moments Mm -hmm. that changed your course of moving forward or define the, the, uh, one of the, one of the towers that we lived at, uh, one of the places we lived at, uh, I can remember I was probably around 10 years old, and, of course, my brother would have been eight-ish, uh, almost, and uh, and I would have had two younger siblings, and I remember uh, one night, this was about the time that we were chewing the... The tar? Know, yeah. To kind of set the tone of, as a child, who I was, just a child, and... Uh, Naive, very naive. Keep that thought in your mind as my life travels through. Mm -hmm. And I remember waking up. uh, Dad was, oh, he was in a jumping up and down and screaming and hollering and, and, and saying that he's talking to me, he's talking to me and he said, God is telling me what I need to do, and he's he's talking to me. Well, it got so bad, we were scared to death. Mother took us into another room, kept us away until, I don't know, it seemed like he went on all night. And I don't know if it was before that incident or after. Mm-hmm. And this is hard. Yeah. I was sexually abused. Mm-hmm. And like I say, I don't know if it was before or after. I want to kind of think that perhaps it was because he was, I don't know if he did it because of, of his psychotic breakdown or right. I think as I've gotten older, I think Satan, the forces of evil, entered our home yeah took control of the head of our home Mm -hmm. and i'm not so sure that it wasn't uh, already there right because the things that he had lived in as a child it was Mm -hmm. generational Mm -hmm. and he was I mean, it was, he just was repeating what he knew. And that will play a part in my forgiveness right. of him. But Yeah, because his life and what he experienced at the hand of his own father. And granddad. And granddad um, is unthinkable. Unthinkable. The, un- things that they, the things that they did they, were yes. un- un- unthinkable. And to the point, it's so bad, I don't even like to speak it. It's that bad. It's those things that the scripture says you don't speak of. 
um, I don't it's that bad. So it upsets me to go back there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So did you say how old you were when this, ten. the yeah. first time it happened was now? That did the, it repeatedly go on while you were still at home? It did. Okay, it did. Did it and, ever stop before you left home? The uh, sexual abuse. I got to wear that. I was older. I was. I would protect myself, mm-hmm. and I would. I slept on my stomach mm-hmm. so that I could protect myself. And yeah. to this day, I am comfortable sleeping on my stomach. Yes, mm-hmm. I can't go to bed and go to sleep at night unless I do. Yeah. yeah. In that time, uh, there was a different culture. Uh, women would get together around on the porch when the children wasn't around and they would talk about what was going on in their families mm-hmm. but that was just a common thing in families the abuse of the, the abuse of the wife and the and the family mm-hmm. well the abuse of the children of the children uh, sexual mm-hmm. abuse uh, uh physical abuse um uh, the man of the house was the whatever he wanted to do he did and and the woman was powerless really mm-hmm. she had no way i remember my grandmother left on foot and had to leave her baby because she was leaving uh she had to get away and and or die or, or die it was yeah. a survival yes also yes. And I would say that about Grandma. You know, she was um, physically, sexually, mentally, emotionally. All of you were all um, abused in every yes. way, shape, or form. She was. But she was like in a more, would you agree, a survival mode. Yes. Like if she survived, yes. y'all survived. Yes. I mean, there was yes. there was nowhere for her to go. Right. That was another thing. Right. There's no help. You know, right. like we have help agencies right. and mm-hmm. stuff now. Right. To help battered women um, and children that... You're she, in Mountain yeah. Mountain View, Arkansas, right? In the hills. Well, no, I mean, we're we're even more isolated. Mm. Mountain View was you were the, in was the main. I was in. I was. This was located in in the mountains. Okay, but I must say the last job that Dad had with the tower. Um, I look back over the years, I look back now, and I could see where God was preparing me mm-hmm. to be able to escape. I never mm-hmm. I never tried to run away. It never entered my mind to run away. Mm-hmm. But whenever I, uh, when we moved to the last tower and um, tower house, I was in the seventh grade. Mm-hmm. And I made so... I was probably what thirteen, seventh grade, seventh grade, twelve or thirteen. Mm -hmm. So, so a couple of years the abuse had been happening, and I don't know. I blocked out most of it. I just remember, and I don't know if it was the first time. I just kind of, you know, remember it happening around the time that Dad had his psychotic breakdown Mm -hmm. or whatever I called it. Mm -hmm. Um, But the that. That location was more civilized than any that location that we lived. And I started seventh grade, and I, I set out to chart my course of life. Right. And I decided that I was going to 
get an education. I was going to be able to leave. The only way I could leave was to uh, was to do it the right way. Right. And so at that time, in 1960, in the early, early 60s, mm-hmm. there wasn't anything that a woman could do except nursing, secretarial, or cosmetology, mm-hmm. you know, um, going into one of those three fields. So I chose cosmetology, mm-hmm. and I loved doing hair, fixing hair, uh, and I would do that in the gym before classes would start in mm-hmm. high school. And um, so I knew that that was the course I was going to take, and that meant that I had to had to leave home and go to Little Rock. Mm. And can you imagine you're leaving this? Never spent a <laughs> night away from home. Mm. Never and really had friends. You didn't go had, to anyone I didn't else's have any, house. No, I never spent a night away. Mm-hmm. I could not ever have friends over. Mm-hmm. I could not go to anyone's house. And so I enrolled. I remember mother and dad took me down, and we enrolled in the beauty school. Then I went back home, and when it came time for me to go to school, uh, they took me to the nearest uh, bus depot. Mm -hmm. And I got on the Greyhound bus. Mm. How old were you? 17. Mm, Wow. I got on that bus, and all I had was a little small suitcase. Mm. Um, I don't really know what all was in. I don't remember what I had in it, but it was most precious to me. Mm-hmm. And so I went down, and um, I wasn't scared. I was too naive to be scared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I got a, a acquired a room and in an all-girls boarding house, which was within the block of the governor's mansion mm-hmm. um i remember the little couple all through the years that had that girls boarding house the girls were not good to me i don't know it's because of my accent or because i was a country person or what but they wouldn't let me share a room with them and i had to stay in in this like a i called it sort of a closet because it had it was it had little shelves and I had a, a small cot. wasn't even a cot. It was a mattress. And so I stayed. I stayed there until I got through school. And okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you right there. I did not know that. And there are gonna be things that you're gonna say in this story that I I didn't know, and that pisses me off. I'm just gonna say. <laughs> I'm just going to say, well, say I'm sorry. I'm sitting here going. You got to look at it from my I perspective. Look at it from, I was free. I was, yes. I, I, that was like a kingdom. <laughs> I was, I, I did not know. I mean, but, I was naive. But from, you know. from my standpoint, the resilience that you had well, to even leave at 17 to a place, and, and here's another thing. I don't know if you bring this up. I'm going to go ahead and bring this up. My grandfather was a racist. Yeah. I mean, a bigot and a racist. I'm, I'm just, I can say that. You don't have to say that about him. I mean, I experienced as a child um, seeing, um, you know, 
people come through of color and and just him yelling and saying don't look at them they'll just keep going through and i was probably about 10 or 11 years old when i experienced that and so you're going from your home yeah <laughs> all white people to Little Rock, and and so but tell that me, was the I culture mean, was different then uh i did not see my first black person to make a verbal comfort uh, conversation until probably I was 22 or 23 and and he had come in to take the change out of the coke machine where I mm. worked it scared me to death but that weren't, was weren't you were, were you not told that if a colored person touched you you would die well they thought were that was they, you know and I thought that was very very uh hypocritical for my dad to say they're mm -hmm. they're just out to rape and and you know and then here he was you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so i'm just trying to set the scene for the listener that how brave and courageous you were even at 17 and it may have been a survival I right i i don't consider myself brave i consider myself as naive okay i was naive i i don't consider myself brave if i bravery causes you to do erratic things i mean out of the ordinary i would have left I'm many times sure that was out of the ordinary <laughs> right i don't know yeah. what year many times <laughs> we pl i plotted we plotted together how we were going to kill him mm. but we didn't yeah and again yeah. i wonder if that's a survival right technique uh, lee well I would say that I wouldn't downplay yourself. Yeah. As because you were a kid when that happened. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And like, that's not naive for not knowing. And yeah. like, you're really, bravery is taking steps even when it's hard mm -hmm. and even when it's uncomfortable. Like, even a little baby step. Is well, really brave, even if it doesn't feel brave to you. It really is. Mm -hmm. I'm not one it took to a lot of courage to mm -hmm. do that. Yeah, I'm not one to stand back. I mean, I chart my. Yeah. I always have charted my course. I was, you know, I was able to take care of mother and dad, and and I. It sounds like that I'm really, you know, uh, and and we may get some feedback on this that I'm you know not being kind toward my dad and i have a story though that mm -hmm. of redemption mm -hmm. yes and of of my forgiveness that that uh, is the story of my life mm -hmm. really and i want to point out the fact that when we talk about the real things that happen the reality of life that happened to you it sets the redemption story so you have to tell and all the story in order for it to be redemptive i do there has to be something to mm -hmm. redeem you from i do so you you honored and we and you honored I, your parents throughout their life so and i want yeah. to i want to tell anyone that may be listening to this a young person an older person, a middle age, whoever, male, female, whoever, if you're in a situation to where you feel hopeless, to where you feel like there is just no, no, you know, you're desperate, mm -hmm. 
God's got a path for you. Mm-hmm. And you may not see it until you're my age mm-hmm. for 75 years, you know. And, you know, even when you were a child and going through that, you, you had said you prayed to God. Yes. I mean, you did pray. Talk about that. Yes. At 16, a, yeah. at 16, I tried suicide. That was in my, between my 10th and 11th year. Mm-hmm. And... God just didn't intend for me to die because I woke up. And I was surprised I woke up. <laughs> but, but that set, that set um, in motion mm-hmm. the next few months, I had to have control. Yeah. And that was me taking some kind of control. I was desperate. I was, I've had, didn't have any hope. Uh, I didn't feel like I did. Um but I needed control, and so I became uh, anorexic. I know mm-hmm. the word now. At then, I just didn't eat. I just didn't eat, and I got great pleasure out of not eating. Euphoric, euphoric mm-hmm. feeling, and a feeling of control. And I went down to probably three dress sizes. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now, how did you measure your waist? You were telling. Oh, yeah. Well, now you? listen, girls in the '60s, we cinched our waists up with little tiny belts until we. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we cinched them up and 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 we shaped our waist, and I could take my fingers and from front to back, and I would measure. Oh, yeah. My waist. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but that sounds miserable. Uh, yeah, it does. <laughs> no, no. Completely oh, well, miserable. We were miserable without our belt cinched. Oh, honey, I got my spandex on. I've got to have that room. We got to have some stretching. Yeah, yeah, Woo. yeah, yeah. Well, uh, but the control that the anorexic gave me. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the euphoric was, feeling well, yeah, that you was, were in control that of your life. I was in life. control of something. What went in your mouth. Yeah. yeah. When I went back to school. Uh, that when I went back to school that fall from my, between my 11th and 12th grade year, no one knew me because I had lost so much weight. And uh, uh, so I graduated, and then within I graduated in May, and by uh, I was 17, didn't turn 18 till July. Mm-hmm. I was already. When I turned 18, I was already enrolled in school in Little Rock. And I uh, I would walk, uh, go back to how innocent it was then and how innocent I was. I didn't feel any danger walking from the governor's mansion down to, wow. to uh, my beauty school, which was on Capitol. Mm-hmm. And I would walk back and... Uh, Never anyone ever tried to, you know, stop yeah. or tried to harm me in any way. Um, so I graduated then within three months. I was working. Um, and uh, can I stop you right there? Sure. I want to I want to stay with anorexia because I want to yeah. I want to hit that. And okay. then so let's just. Let's stay with the anorexia. Did you have any other bouts about with anorexia for the rest of your life? How many can you tell us about those times and what was going on during those times? Um, I probably had um, um, I never did really eat a lot uh, to start with, so it wasn't hard. 
I think when I was pregnant with you, I had for lunch every day, I had uh, a roll and three chicken livers. Okay. Just three. The, uh-huh. Just, just three. Just three. I, you know, that's a control thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Three. With a packet or two of uh, ketchup. And that mm-hmm. was what I had for lunch every day at work. Um, so and I that's all not, you had when you were pregnant with me. Well, but I ate when I got home. Oh, but okay. that's all I had for lunch. And, well, didn't you still but like didn't chew up chocolate chip cookies and spit them out? Well, during my mm-hmm, during uh, the years that we had children back in the early 70s, the doctors would not let us gain any weight at all mm-hmm. because they were afraid of clampsia and, you know, the gaining fluid and everything I had with my children yeah. <laughs> because charity ate <laughs> yeah yeah well they learned different but yeah. they wouldn't let us gain and I'd go to the doctor and I'd gained a pound or two and and he'd say you you got it you can't gain weight now until at least your last trimester and so I would get so hungry for uh, something chocolate chip cookies and so I'd bake a big batch of cookies and I'd sit down and watch my soap operas and I had a a plastic cup or a paper cup, and I would chew up those cookies, and I got the idea, okay, I can chew them, I can enjoy them, I can eat them, I can savor them, but then when they're, they're so liquefied, I have to swallow, I'll spit them in the cup. Oh, yeah. Ugh. And so I would do that. I would spit them in the cup. And, and I'd, you I actually weighed less yeah. when you had me. I was a preemie. Uh-huh. actually weighed less. So that was a bout of anorexia. I mean, well, if you... Yeah, uh, doctor did. Because you had a fear of gaining weight. <laughs> right, right, right. And then, of course, 14 months later, just a short time, I got pregnant with Hope, mm-hmm. my youngest. Mm-hmm. So what? what is the – so the next bout, how old were you? The next bout was um, – I was probably um, – I really don't know. I would say – Probably when you girls were in high school in your teen years, lost control. Well, I know my my senior year, Mm -hmm. unless you did something before that. About three or four years there that you all were going through your high school years Mm -hmm. that I, you know, I just, that's the only way I had control is to not eat, I guess. Yeah, because you definitely couldn't control me. I mean, I was just like, y'all, hey, they heard my story. Well, I was, so I was just say, it wild. was when That's you, all. you went to college and uh, then she got that phone call. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, I had to, I'm going to find my own faith mom. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Yes, that'll bring anorexia on anyway. That'll break, take your appetite right away. <laughs> I lost, I just say, by that time, I didn't call it, I didn't know what I called it, but I just lost my appetite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So one one of the experience one of the times that I I really want you to just kind of sit on was when you were early twenties and you had to go to the oh, hospital. You went into kidney yes. failure. It was so bad. You actually went into kidney failure. Had to go. Tell us about that night when you okay. had to go to the hospital. Okay. Yeah, I didn't really realize it then, but I I know now in my later years. I know that that the forces of evil had entered our family, and by the time I was, like, you know, left home, Satan was chasing me. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was pursuing me. He knew 
I was innocent. He knew I was naive. not experienced. I was right. naive. Uh, and I experienced everything possible. Got myself into all kinds of situations, not knowing what what I was what I was really doing. I was I was in with this guy one night and oh and that's a whole nother story, I'm telling you. Mother said, Go to church now and find yourself a good Christian boy and you'll be okay. Find a good Christian. Hey. Hmm. Okay. Satan, Satan has so, no. Okay, so you went yes. there. Uh-huh. Let's talk about that. Satan has no. It was a very bad relationship. Six months. Of, so what you're saying is of terror. Those walls of that church can't keep Satan out. That's, That's what where, you're saying. Oh. Oh, yeah. I and gotcha. you did. You went to church and you I found. Did. I found did, and man. that's that's where I, yeah, that's where I started dating this guy. And he lived with his mother. He loved. I thought he loved his mother. It wound up. Uh, it was a horrible. He started beating me. He mm-hmm. started. Uh, it was, and I found out that he was gay. Mm-hmm. Now, can we use that word on yes. this podcast? Yes. 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 Uh, and I didn't know. I was naive. He'd say, I'm going to meet you down at da-da-da bar. And then I, when I'd get down there after work, he'd be sitting with these guys. And, and he went to the bathroom one night, and he says, he says, these guys said, you know, it's just so great that you understand mm. gay life, you know, mm. that you understand it. And I thought... Gay life? I said, yeah, I love to have a gay old time. <laughs> wow. I didn't. Wow. I didn't understand so what they innocent. were saying. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. And he wasn't the nicest. No, he wasn't. He beat me yeah. so bad that I couldn't go to work a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And and it was just like, ding, ding. Ding, ding, bells were going off. Mm-hmm. You're living the same mm-hmm. repeat. Same pattern. Same pattern. Hmm. Mm-hmm. At any time, did that feel normal to you? Like that was... Well... Because if you're... Usually that's what Satan wants to do is normalize that kind of life. Well... What you're familiar with. That what you're what familiar I'm, with. No, it never... No. It never no, did. It never seemed normal to me okay. because I did not want... It was six months, right. and mm-hmm. all, that was all I could take. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so, I could have, I could have gotten an annulment, really, right. because it was so right. short uh, a period. I mean, it was it was like he was never there. And so you so you, you you dated and and married him. Well, yeah. I don't say I don't I can't even say that I was married to him. Okay, but you got an annulment. You could have gotten annulment. Because he was never there. Okay. Okay. And he wound up, he he tried to bring gay men into our apartment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And whenever I would, you know, try to push it, you know, then he would beat me up mm-hmm. and tried that several times. And, and he so, did. He was dating a teen girl at one yes, point. Yes, yes. So and he got you, her pregnant. And you found them in bed. I found them in bed. And, and you, and that you was got it. a beaten. And that, that was, was it. it. Yes, that, that was it. Uh, 
And and I come to find out, he told me, he said, you can't leave me because I'm going to have to marry her if you do. And I said, good. And he did. And he Found did. out years later, he did. He did well, marry her. Well, no, I found out right away. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, he had to marry her. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had three children that were just tormented. Mm-hmm. They were scared to death of him. But she eventually. So was that um, bout of anorexia? Was that around that time? Yes, that I, almost. Well, okay. So I'm leading up. Mm-hmm. Satan has put me in 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 the hell hole, you might say, mm-hmm. in the hell hole. Right. There was drugs. There was alcohol. There was, you know, whatever. Even one night, he took me to this party. And we were going downstairs. That they started shooting. Somebody had a gun, and they started shooting. And so he grabs me and pushes me down the stairs, and we go down and we jump in, in the car. And then here comes, the shooter, around firing into the car at him. And I'm thinking, oh, okay. Well, there's more to this man than I know. And and so I had to dove into the floorboard screaming so I could live <laughs> and I lived through that. Yes, yes. So to say that Satan was right. pursuing. Right. And but, so but I wound up in the hospital during this within this six months a lot happened. I wound up in the hospital and it was during a night that was everything was frozen up in, in Little Rock. Nobody could go into, into the hospitals. And I was on a ward with just me and this little elderly lady. Mm-hmm. And they told us, they said, there won't be any visitors tonight because the hospital is shut down. So we were sitting there, and all of a sudden... Was it the anorexia that put you in the hospital? It was a combination of anorexia and not eating well, stress, kidney. I was having kidney failure. Okay, kidney failure. Yeah, she was in kidney failure. Okay, gotcha. And uh, so I was in there a couple of weeks. But during that um, time, I don't know just if it was the first week, because the first week I was pretty much out of it. The second week, um, one night during this ice storm, uh, there was two men walked in. Uh, they was we were on a ward, and so they pushed the the two doors open, and they yep. just walked in. And I looked, and I said, "Who are you? You know, no one is supposed to come in here." And they said they were just kind of normally dressed men. Uh, they said, "We're your friends." Mm-hmm. And we've come to visit you tonight. Mm-hmm. And I said, you've come to visit me? And they said, yes. Said, we've got something for you. And said, we've got a book for you. Mm-hmm. And so they handed me the book. And I said, what is this? And so I started looking at it. And the little lady next to me, she was probably 90. She was very, of course, I was young. She probably wasn't as old as I thought she was. But <laughs> But anyway, because ninety's old now. But she says, she She says probably your age when she was 
<laughs> she was older than I was oh, at the okay, time. Okay, okay. So she looks over and she tells him, she said, you guys get out of here right now. Get out of here right now. You don't need to be in here. You don't need to be bothering her. You get out now. They handed me the book and they said, you read this book. Mm-hmm. Said it's got a lot of valuable information and they started describing and I won't even go into details on what they described that was contained in the book. Do you remember? I do. Oh, oh. well, why don't we, you tell we us something? We want to know. Yeah. Yes. Why, do you, why do you do that little dangle? <laughs> yeah. And then go, oh, no, I'm going to tell you well, what's in the book. Well, <laughs> it, I mean, you're telling everything else. Tell us what's in the it, book. It, I can just, tell you the listeners are screaming. <laughs> the <laughs> listeners are going, we want to know what's in the book. Well, it described the name of the book and some may know it's Marquita Sade. Okay. Marquita Sade. And it is the devil's worship and guidebook. Wow. And it describes mm. what they the the things they need to eat, the things they need to do before their sacrifices, before their whatever. And I just he he told me, he said, you need to know what kinds of of meats that you can eat to to give the best tasting feces oh 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 yes oh. never mind yes. i don't want to know what's in the book anymore i take it back <laughs> okay i didn't think you did but it's interesting that that's what he was communicating with you considering your struggle Yes. With anorexia. Right. Yes. With eating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And the enemy. Wow. Well, and so. Yep. She, so they left the book. She demanded. They left the book and she demanded that they leave. They went out. I never saw them again. Never saw anybody else until I got ready to leave the hospital. But she took that book from me. Oh, okay. She said, bring me that book. Mm-hmm. She said, you do not need that book. She said, give that book to me. Mm. And I was thinking, well, why do you want the book, you know? Uh-huh. So anyway, I gave it to her, and I don't know what she did with it. She probably burned it when she got home. But she had a mirror and one of these old, they call it French ivory mirrors, mm-hmm. you know, that hand mirror, kind of yellowed. Mm-hmm. And she gave that to me, and I kept it for years and years and years. She gave that mirror to me, and she said, Look at yourself every day. I want you to look at yourself mm-hmm. in this mirror and look at how beautiful you are mm-hmm. and you are valuable to God. Mm-hmm. Wow. She said you are worth, you know, she knew I didn't have a good self-worth. She was your angel. She mm-hmm. was my angel that day, yes. Yeah. So even then, the fact that Satan is pursuing you, God was providing oh, encouragement yes. and, oh, yes. and a way out. Yes, right. God, God does not. God does not give us a stress-free mm-hmm. life. He does not. Mm-hmm. He doesn't guarantee that we're not going to suffer. In mm-hmm. fact, I think everybody needs to suffer mm-hmm. with the right attitude. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs to suffer. And that's why I read James 1, 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy. That's right. Yes. That's right. Yes. Join us next week as we continue Mom's Story.